when building on the foundation of your faith, is the Holy Spirit your contractor? Let's drop the needle on that. What's up, guys and gals, and welcome back to another episode of Digging Deeper, a Bible study series brought to you by Broken Record Ministries. That was good. Did me snapping and pointing at you inspire you? I didn't even, like, maybe, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to have to snap and point harder next time, I guess. It didn't do anything for me, Carl. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you that don't know us, I'm Carl. I'm joined again by my favorite coffee connoisseur, Mike. Hello, everyone. To help keep me on the straight and narrow, my good friend, Pastor Mike, is with us. Hello. And as always, I'm co-hosted by the sultry sounds of Sunny. Hey. That was good. That inspired me. That like calmed me down. (laughs) So this week, on the B side of the record, we're going to be talking about, well, I'm not going to get into what we're talking about yet. We're going to dig into part three in a study series we're calling Foundations. But I want to take some time before we do that on the A side of the record here to talk about conviction, specifically conviction for sin. What is it? What's it like? And what should our response to it be? Before I open that discussion up to you guys, because I'm just going to listen, because I don't know what to say. That'll change. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for that. I don't know if that was an insult or a compliment. No, no, it's a compliment. (laughs) You talk too much. Is that what he said? No, 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 no. (laughs) I like that you're on loan from doesn't really know a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to read something before we dig into this from the book of the Acts of the Apostles from chapter 2. And just to give the context, this is Peter's sermon after the Holy Spirit's been been poured out upon the disciples with the tongues of fire. They've they've spoken in in the same tongues as as the people present there for the pilgrimage festival at Pentecost. They can all understand. I believe that's what that miracle is about. It's Peter's about to the 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 father setting the stage for this extremely powerful sermon Peter's about to to give. And to ensure that everyone there, no matter what language they speak, can understand this miraculous speaking in tongues occurs so that when he gives this sermon, everyone understands exactly what he's saying. And I encourage you to read it. The sermon's, the, the sermon's amazing. It's one of the best sermons you'll find in Scripture or anywhere else. But for the purposes of our discussion here, I just want to read how it ends. So he, he gives this sermon pointing them to Jesus as the, the, the Savior of the world for the remission of their sins. And the people respond like this. In chapter, in chapter 2 of Acts, verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, the people, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Pierced to the heart. I believe that's a poetic way of saying they were convicted yes. for mm-hmm. their sin. So with that said, what's it like when you guys have been pierced to the heart? What's that mean to be convicted? Why are we convicted? What's on your all's heart? I think my biggest thing is whenever whenever I feel like I'm being convicted of something, it's usually um, I have guilt. I have even sometimes shame. And I know those aren't from God. That's actually just me feeling those things because I'm doing wrong. I'm doing, I'm doing wrong by him. Um, and it's not even just I, I can actually even go to 
anger on it. I mean, and I can go through all kinds of different emotions about it, but usually one way or another, whenever I'm convicted of something, I go through quite a few different emotions about it. And then usually the last part of it is guilt. And then if it's, you know, I guess looked at as gross or whatever, you know, um, grotesque or whatever you want to call it, you know, there's some shame in it. Um, but then also, you know, there's other things to where it's, um, you're convicted of maybe something that you said, maybe a certain scenario and, and you just got to kind of let it go. Um, you know, pray about it, say, Hey, you know, God, forgive me for what I, what I said or what I did. And, and, um, you know, just kind of go on about your business, you know, but there's other things throughout life that it becomes, comes a little more difficult and maybe it's an everyday occurrence that's, that's happening, or maybe it's, uh, every week or maybe, you know, there's certain things in, in life that are sins that whenever you're convicted about it, it's, it's usually fairly big, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, I mean, it, there's a wide variety of emotions that come with being convicted of something and, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's, everybody handles their convictions differently. You know, I mean, like here lately, I've been convicted about a lot of things and, you know, it's kind of sent me almost, almost into a depression kind of, and, um, you know, it's, it's been hard to try to get myself back out of it. And, you know, I've kind of secluded myself again. It's kind of been a roller coaster here lately. And, you know, one day I'll feel awesome. You know, I'm ready to go, ready to conquer everything. And then next I'm down in the dumps and I don't even want to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, it just goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and just got to try to reach out and you know surround yourself with with other believers and you know others like yourself. You know, I mean, we're all faulty, we're all sinners, we're all you know, human. So the biggest thing is surround yourself with people of like mind, and and uh, you know, you can bounce your ideas or bounce your worries or bounce your well, you know, the Bible even says, you know, cast your sins on others too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Put your, you know, be, what is it? Um, be open, you know, be open about your sins <laughs> with others. Yeah. Be around believers that maybe they've struggled through the same sins. So they know the way out. Right. Yeah. But, I think it's important to understand too that it stems from a relationship with the Father. And so sometimes that shame and that guilt that we feel should draw us closer to him. And so it's kind of almost a tightrope type thing because, you know, it's kind of like anger. Anger can be genuine and righteous anger, but anger can also be bitter and, and hateful. And so we've got to, it's kind of a tightrope thing too when we're convicted is that we have to understand the purpose of the conviction and that's to draw us back to himself. And so the enemy will use that guilt and use that shame to draw us away, to cause depression, to cause us to spiral out of control. He will use that. And so what's intended for something that's good 
can end up spiraling us out of control. And so that's why, like you said, it's important to be around other believers to, to build up and to have that encouragement to understand that it's drawing us in some way back to him into that relationship. Because I think when, you know, same way, you know, we, me and Diane have a, have a fight. There's a strain in the relationship or there's something that I've done to hurt her. There's a strain in the relationship and we've got to work on repairing that. Mm. And, and it's, it's, it's under important to understand that it's to draw us back to him, not away from him. And I think sometimes it does draw us away from him. I think sometimes we're convicted and we beat ourselves up and, you know, not to magnify grace, but that's where grace comes in too, because, you know, we're beating ourselves up and we're giving ourselves, I think we're harder on ourselves than God is most of the time. For sure. You know, we, we place that guilt upon ourselves and it's important to understand that, that it's to draw us to him. He's, there's something that we're convicted about something because he's drawing us back to, to himself. Yeah. 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 It's like, go ahead. That's the thing is like, you know, he convicts us to get us closer. Yes. You know, that's, that's the ultimate goal of a conviction is being closer to God. You know, you let go of a sin, you let go of, you know, something that you've held on to that you idolize, you know, it's not even just a sin. It can be an idol that you placed in your life that you don't even know that you don't even see it as an idol. Something that's not in itself sinful, but when it replaces God, it becomes sinful. Yep. It becomes that hindrance yep. to your relationship. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is like you put something before God, you know, he might want you to, to let that thing go. He might, or he might want you to replace it or might want you to, you know, take a step back from it for a little while. And that's the thing, it, you know, all in all, every conviction is to get closer to him. Yes. So it's not even like, it's not a punishment. I mean, the ultimate goal is get closer to him. So, I mean, and a lot of people run from conviction. Mm -hmm. I ran from conviction for 20 some odd years. You know, anytime that I would end up getting closer to God or I would start a path on getting, you know, to where I was, hey, I'm here. I want to do this. I want to try this. And then I would get convicted and then I'd go right back out to the world. Yep. You know, that, that intense mindset of just, I, I don't want to look at myself like that. I don't want to look deep. I, I'm shallow right now and I want and to stay shallow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, it took me, you know, uh, 20, I mean, 37 years old. And, you know, finally, now I'm not ashamed. I'm not looking at it as conviction as a bad thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it took me a long time to figure that out. So I even I would even argue that conviction enters into the paradigm because we've ran in some way. You know, we we very often know the right way to go. We 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 know how to to engage in the relationship with the father, how to cultivate the relationship and and when we stray in some way, whether it's because of sin or because we've put something ahead of him, he has to get our attention somehow to get us to stop straying away. And I think that's why the conviction comes in. It's almost like that, that sensation of, of, you know, when you're a kid and you're, you're stealing a cookie from the cookie jar and your parent walks in and that, that sensation of you're caught, yeah. you know what I mean? Before the parent even says anything, you just know, you feel it, that tightening of the chest where you're caught. And I think that's kind of what conviction is. We've strayed. Sometimes even whatever, it's just a footstep you hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely right. 
and he'll do what he needs to do to get our attention. And I think that's why, like you said, it's different for everybody. I think it's different for every situation and, and how much we're sure. resisting the, cause it's, you're right. It's not punishment. It's, it's discipline. It's chastisement. It's yeah. to get our, it's to get our attention. And those are different things. It may involve a form of punishment according to a certain definition to get our attention if it gets to that degree. But it's always, the goal is always to draw us back. And he's going to do exactly what he needs to do in order to draw us back. You know what I mean? Depending upon how resistant we are in that season or in that moment or in that particular sin, he's going to do what he needs to do. And that's where the danger is with the enemy sweeping in and taking those sensations that, that, he, that the Father requires to get our attention. And then the enemy wants us to focus on those sensations. No matter what, the enemy wants our eyes off the Father yes. and on anything else whether it be a sin or a distraction. And then when the conviction comes, he wants our eyes on the discomfort so that we run from the discomfort, right? But we run in the wrong direction. And, you know, that's where, you know, like you said, Sonny, your flesh comes in and then you start, you let the, you let the guilt, would you say, swirl you out of control? Spiral, yeah. Spiral out of control, yeah. I would agree with that. I spent 20 years running. Uh, you know, after my demise, I, uh, I was pretty mad at God. But I knew he was still there, but I wasn't focused on him. Mm-hmm. It took 20 years for God to beat me over the head. And something that Silent Ron said brought me out of that. And that was, like I was telling you, Sunday about eight months ago. And when you're convicted to do something, like for me, I, I, I'd like to think I'm on fire. I want the knowledge. I, want to, I, want to, I don't want to disappoint my father in heaven no more than I wanted to disappoint my earthly father. So when I began to think or do something that's not glorifying to him, I think, how would he feel? I think sometimes we we don't always focus on that. I, I in my opinion, I'm no theologian, but if we remember that we don't want to disappoint our father in heaven, and you want to make him almost I hate to use the word proud but like any father feels about their offspring you want to do well in his eyes and that's what keeps me going striving to do that because you know we're all broken we all have flesh and the flesh wants what the flesh wants but something that's been on my heart a lot is I've been reading a lot of the scriptures and you know he's talking about the Hebrews giving them heart of flesh instead of stone Mm. I want that now I don't I don't know the I really have been thinking about the condition of my heart other than you know where what where where am I I think it's sometimes conviction can be an introspective conviction Mm -hmm. where are you why what are you thinking how am I how am I going to get from here to there and 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 I believe the father have you get those deep thoughts you know you're always talking about looking in the mirror what man do you see back looking back i've never once thought about looking in the mirror looking back at the guy but the more i think about that i think that's a conviction that happens to people that it happened to me and i didn't even know what it was happening i just knew that there i wasn't right in some way and i needed to get right and fortunately like carl said being in the community of believers and brothers that you can call on and ask questions is very helpful. 
and I'm convicted to reach out more than I ever have been in my life to other people. I've always kind of been a loner as far as dealing with problems. I couldn't handle it, so forget it. It couldn't be handled. That was in my tiny mind. So I think conviction works in a lot of different ways, not only for sin, but to change your heart to who God wants you to be. Yeah, I think that's important to remember. It's a heart issue. You know, the, the sin is to draw you away from him. That's the purpose. That's, that's, that's soul. The, if, if we're going to personalize it, sin's goal is to draw you away from the father. Yep. That's, that's the objective of sin. And when you start to divert away from the father to say it poetically, your heart begins to callous. And the purpose of him bringing conviction into your, into your life is to break away that callous. So your heart doesn't turn to stone to get to a point where you don't feel it anymore. You know, where you're not convicted. That's, you know, when you get to a place where you can sin and you're not convicted, that means your heart's hard to it. You don't feel it anymore because you don't want to. And we can do that because there's warnings in the scriptures on not, on doing that, you know, callousing the spirit. And it's not that he's not prompting anymore. It's that we've just learned to tune him out. (laughs) Kind of, we've learned to callous him so much that that we've ignored him. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's important. And I think, yeah, the spirit does convict us for to truth that's the important aspect is it always comes back to the truth of who god is um it's if it's okay i just want to read a yeah of course quick, quick verse in john this is john 16 he's talking about you know the first part the verse first five verses are talking about trials are going to come you know i'm warning you on he just told his disciples i'm leaving i'm going back to heaven i'm going to send you the the comforter or the helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And so be prepared because the Holy Spirit's going to guide you through those trials. And so don't don't panic too much when when trials come, but but trial is coming. In fact, there's going to be, which I wasn't going to do this, but I, you know, I like I like verse verse two because um well just in verse one it says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world must be judged. Because I still have a lot of things to say. I'm going to set those things in order. But but this is what the Holy Spirit's going to do. It's going to convict you of sin. It's going to point you in the right direction. And then he ends that section with, with saying this. He says that... Um, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. In other words, he's going to represent Christ through us. So our walking in the spirit, our actions of, of making sure Galatians 5 talks about walking in the spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh that we're kind of talking about. But the purpose is to declare Christ. The purpose is to manifest Christ and to, again, bring us into that right relationship, right, that relationship with him. So he's going to point us in that direction. And so it's not always that that conviction of sin, although it is that. 
it's not just that. It's that that pointing us. There's some things that you need to learn here. There's some truths that I'm going to point you to. And um, he, he it's it's important just to kind of under understand those things. I I like this verse because it kind of fits for today and. He's so excited. I know. <laughs> you see a big smile? Because it's a rabbit trail that I promised myself before the podcast that I wasn't going to go on. But but here we are. But here we are. Chasing yeah. the rabbit. It says this. The spirit convicted you to continue. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it says this. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you. And again, this is the reminder in the first couple of verses that trials are going to are going to come. They will put you out of the synagogues indeed. The hour is coming when whosoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And I think that that's, that's important. In other words, we're going, to, you know, even people that are within the synagogues, even people that are supposed to be church going people, they're not going to like you too much when, you, when this comes. When you begin to be filled with the Spirit and you begin to walk in the Spirit, you begin to walk in the ways that God wants you to walk. There's some even in the synagogues, even in the churches that are going to go, I don't know about all that. Mm-hmm. You're a little too sold out for me, or you're too you're a little too passionate for me. And God says, "Keep going, keep keep on the track. He's going to guide you into into the truth." You but, know, I, I'm sorry, Carl. Did no, you're you, good. I was I was reminded while Micah was talking about the story of C.S. Lewis. I don't know if anybody knows. Mm-hmm. I'm sure y'all know who C.S. Lewis is, author of Narnia and all kinds of other books. But he was a materialist. His his whole life, if he couldn't reasoned it out he was a philosophy student at Oxford served in the first world war but uh, he was a non-believer and he began his life to be convicted by others that came into his life that obviously were convicted and turned their life over to Christ he started off on what was called a theist someone who believed that there was a God but this whole thing about Jesus he viewed in the his mind at the time as another uh, story that the Greeks you know another story about Hercules or whomever whatever Greek god he was being compared to that's where C.S. Lewis' mind was but throughout his lifetime I mean it was it was quite a while before he came around to the idea that yes this is true it did happen who began to question the universe mm. uh, and how random atoms of materials please you know we came into existence and reason to random atoms bouncing around in our head as he began to examine that because he wholeheartedly believed that he began to wonder wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute he began to be, be convicted by the Holy Spirit even though he hadn't been saved yet and I think that's so important and it's so encouraging for people to know that the Holy Spirit can come on you whether you're saved or not and convict you to go in the right direction the narrow path or the rabbit path that Micah was talking about mm-hmm. yeah I do believe and that I'm glad you mentioned that Micah because there's a, our overarching theme for this whole episode is really the role of the Spirit when we're building our biblical foundation what's the role of the Spirit in building that foundation and, and one of one of the roles that I see in Scripture is that he's tasked with drawing, yes. drawing to the Father, not just believers that have strayed away, but also non-believers yes. mm-hmm. to convict them of sin and draw them. And there's one yeah. of two directions that you can go. 
you can either be drawn to the father or you can run headlong in the opposite direction. Is that you, he brings you to a decision point. He brings you to a crossroads and you can run to the father, or run away from him. And that's what that verse really highlights there is that the individuals that think that they're rendering a service to God by attacking believers, they've run in the opposite direction and deluded themselves yep. into believing that they're righteous for doing so and become violent. And this is something that he, he criticizes Israel for repeatedly, Israel and Judah both throughout the prophets. He, he criticizes them for believing they're rendering a service to God, but they become increasingly violent. So they're distanced from God, even though they, they give lip service, the more distant from the father they become, the less loving, the less merciful, and the more violent they become. It's just, it's a, it's a natural, it's a natural occurrence. When you, when you separate yourself from the, from the source of true love and true mercy, you become the opposite of those things. And, and you see that with even those who profess to believe, they become less merciful. I know I can look back on my life and when I was resisting the conviction and straying, I believed I was doing him service. I believed my outward observance was good enough, but I was unloving, I was unmerciful, and I was in love with violence. And the the the, the more I, I began to, I mean, he, he brought me to a place where the conviction got rough. You know, and that's something that's why I wanted to highlight that earlier. You know, conviction isn't always soft and gentle and and and, and pleasant. It starts that way, but the more we resist, the more we ignore him, the less pleasant it becomes. Yeah. And it becomes it gets to a point where it's almost unsettling. Not almost, it is unsettling. Yeah. Until you until you 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 do what he wants you to do. You run back to him and then you just feel that you feel that love come back into your life like mm-hmm. it just washes over you. Yes. And things change. Your mindset changes, your heart changes yes. everything mm-hmm. changes from the inside out and then you really start to understand that analogy of washing the cup from the inside out so the outside can yeah. be clean also yeah. it just you you look at the process and it's 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 amazing yeah. it's it, it's not always pleasant no it's not always comfortable but it's it's it's, it's amazing in the rewarding. furnace mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah he's purifying you know he's taking all the impurities out which is also his responsibility as well, you know. His, mm-hmm. his responsibility is just to tear us down and convict us. It's res, it's that washing, you know, yeah. that washing of the spirit, that washing of yeah. renewance. That you know. And that's that, the thing is, it it goes. You, you work on one thing. If you beat it, you have that washing of the spirit over you. You know, you you feel that completion. You feel that that love that, and then guess what? There's still going to be something else. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have something else to work on. Yeah. yeah, And it'll happen again, but maybe you're a little wiser, a mm-hmm. little, little more, not as timid, you know, not so <clears throat> fickle, I guess. Yeah. You know, <coughs> and, uh, you know, as time goes on, you get a little older, you get a little wiser, get a little more experience under your belt and easier to follow God whenever the times get tough. You know, it's not, it's not so hard to get on your knees whenever you've been through it so many times. Yeah. Well, that's a great point, Sonny. It's something that I think he's been working on me about. It's easy to follow when things are going great in life. Okay. (laughs) Bank accounts full, cars running great, kids are fed and well, wife's happy with you. Easy. It's when the things that come out of nowhere that hit you in the side of the head you know, the scriptures say joy in all things, but sometimes I have found it hard to be joyful when something bad is happening. And if you can develop that response to whatever situation in you're in, as scripture commands us to do, 
I don't know where I'm going with this. I just know that he's been working on that with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can get up and praise him all day long when things are great, but boy, when things start going bad, I'm like, yep. the old Mike was like, wait a minute. I knew we had we have struggles, but it seems like I'm having my fair share and then some. Well, and I, I think that's the ultimate goal is to, to increase our measure of trust. Yes. You know, when That's really, a, yeah. I, honestly, when we stray into sin, it's because we didn't trust him in some way. When we, when we, when we walk away from him or we allow something to, to hinder our, our relationship with him, it's because we're not fully trusting him. We're not giving him our whole being, our whole heart. I agree our, with our, that. all of him. I think it's all, the more you trust, the less you stray, you know, and, and the less those trials begin to affect you in a negative way. You're not going to enjoy it. I'm not saying you're going to enjoy the trial and, yeah. and be, you know, oh man, I really like this. Give me some more. Yeah. Give me some yeah. more of that trial, God. I really yeah. love it. You know, that's not necessarily what he's saying, but you can find, you can find peace in it. Even when you don't enjoy it, you can find mm-hmm. peace in it. As long as we define peace in the right way, you know, because I think sometimes we tend to define peace as just, I think we tend to conflate peace with enjoyment and it's not right. the same thing. You can find purpose in it. Yes. You know, that's the, that, because usually, you know, you're going through something, you're like, God, why, why me? Why this? Why that? And if you can find the purpose in it, okay, it's a little easier to go through. It's a little, you can understand what's going on. Yeah. And there's times right now that I'm going through that's, I can understand why I'm going through them. I know why I'm going through them because I, there's things that I still put before God. And, um, you know, I mean, he's got, a, he's got a long list to beat in my head, <laughs> yeah, <I'm with> you. <laughs> you know? And that's the thing is like, I, I understand that I get it. I mean, I have lived in the world for way too long. I've, I forgot the story. Well, it's kind of like the, you know, the, um, the son. Pro- Pro- the prodigal son? Yeah, the prodigal son. You know, I mean, I, maybe I didn't, you know, get a lump sum of money and go run around the world. I just ran around the world. and I Without ran, the money? Without the money. I had to be fine. I still did it, you know. I mean, I jumped from place to place to place. Mm-hmm with a backpack or a duffel bag or, you know, but I always stayed intoxicated or some, some way, shape or form or the other. And, uh, you know, I lived a long life of just meaningless, useless, nothing except for, I can remember a few different instances where even though I was in those times, I was intoxicated. I was in bars. I was in places I shouldn't have been. I used to, oh, it was weird moments that I used to actually bring up God. I used to talk about God and I would even cry just in, um, I don't know if I should say this on a Christian, I was in a, um, not so good place that gentlemen go and brought it up to one of the females there and it was weird because I even guessed her name like her real name and she stayed with me all night 
never nothing just talked and I talked to her about God in the middle of this place and I wasn't even in like I never I wasn't going to church at the time I wasn't going to nothing I, I wasn't there was no reason for me to be preaching or <laughs> anything of the sort but you know maybe that girl changed her life after that I don't know you know there wasn't no contact information given or anything like that but the you know, seeds we plant yeah and God uses you and like I think about those times now and that makes me feel better you know even through all my sin all my all my crazy roads God still used me every once in a while and then now like I'm convicted about some parts of my life and going through it um knowing that there's always a, a greater purpose mm-hmm. and that purpose isn't me he'll use me but it isn't me and it's okay I'm alright with that well and that experience was obviously impactful and I can't help but wonder if he wasn't using that as a way to show you that he had a better plan for your life than where Absolutely. you were that he yeah. could use you to, to do so much good and that's you know now that you're on this side of it you can you can see him bringing that plan to fruition you know he's he's weaving a tapestry with all of us, you know, and we're just individual threads. You know, he's, he's creating a work of art and we just sort of have to create him or I'm sorry, we sort of have to trust him to create that work of art and, and, and to bring that together in the right way. Even though as the thread, we can't see it. We can't see the picture he's making with it. And we tend to, you know, this is sort of a rabbit trail a little bit, but we tend to compare ourselves with the threads next to us. A little too much mm-hmm. and I'm not bright like that thread my colors dull well that's you know? that's true Carl why can't mm-hmm. I be the same color as them why can't I be brighter not realizing that it would it would destroy the picture he's making yep. he has us exactly where he wants us exactly where he needs us and exactly the color we need to be at that moment to create the picture he's weaving with us with us all together and we need to do a lot less comparing to one another and a mm-hmm. lot more trusting that's why it all goes back to me trust it really, it really comes back to just surrendering ourselves to him and trusting what, where he has us, where he's planting us, and letting, letting him grow us where we're planted, so we can bear the fruit we need to, we need to bear. I know I'm, I'm mixing a lot of analogies here. I apologize, <laughs> but <laughs> been mixing a lot of everything here lately. You know, it's just that's the way it goes. You know, I think this group of guys have like our minds have been so crazy lately, and you know through our our chats and everything else like everybody's everywhere and you know at the end of the night it all comes together and everybody's there for each other and you know it even though I'm usually working on stuff at work or something but like I'll come back to my my desk and stuff and I'll pick up my phone and there's like 60 some odd messages only 60 <laughs> our record's been 123 <laughs> and then i'm just like i'm like i gotta go back and i gotta you know look at it and stuff and kind of catch up and i'm just like you know what this is this is pretty freaking awesome you know and it it makes me makes me understand what god talks about whenever the fellowship mm-hmm you know and because I've never really I've never really had that you know so it's I've never understood 
what that meant because a lot of the places that I've ever been with or been to or anything else, it was always, you know, you're, you're, you know, tattooed heathen. You're, you drink, you, you know, you do these things and, you know, you're, you're not married and you're fornicating or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, there was always judgment. There was always like disgust looks and, uh, you know, I haven't felt that around here. I haven't felt that way from people. I mean, even some of the churches that I've went to, I really haven't felt that. It seems like it's a, it's a different understanding around here. Um, and I appreciate that, you know, it, it makes it easier for somebody like me just to, okay, well, maybe, maybe this is where I'm at. Maybe this is where I'm supposed to be. Well, the goal of the conviction is never to get us to a place where we feel like we're better than those around us. I think too often that just highlights how frequently it is we forget how much God's rescued us from (coughs) when we look at those around us with that sort of judgment because there's not a single person that looked at you like that that didn't have sin in their closet. Right. Not a single one. And I got a big closet. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not that it's not that we say the sin's okay. It wasn't okay in my life. It's not okay in in your life or anybody else's. But there's a right way to approach that and a very wrong way to approach that. I think sometimes, though, Carl, the world judges Christians as judgmental, and I'm sure a lot of times we are. Yes, we are, and that's where I was going with this. Jesus judged no one. He he enlightened them to the right path and he you know he he was with people that some Christians would not even consider speaking to mm-hmm. yep but we are commanded to speak to those like that and I think you brought up a great point Carl that conviction can work in that direction so that our thread as you put it well, weave the picture together by helping someone who thinks they're unapproachable because of their past. And we need to heed those convictions. Mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that. You know, Sonny, I understand what you mean about the group of guys. My whole life, I've searched for something. And it wasn't until I came in, fell into, God put me into this group of men that are on fire for Jesus that are on fire to help the community, to help the fellow man and woman, child, whomever it may be, that I felt this is where I belong. And every now and then, I was just telling Carl before we started recording that, you know, I'll put something out there on a text and nobody responds to it. And immediately the devil gets in my head and says, well, see, you're not really part of the group. They care less what you've got to say. (laughs) And I have to go, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, I have to step back and go, no, that's not the case. These men work. You don't. <laughs> so they're probably busy or they just don't care about what you have to say. In either case, it doesn't matter because they're still there for me in the end. And that's what's important. Mm-hmm. And what I like, you know, the fleshy side of me wants, wants somebody to say something. Oh, that mm-hmm. was a good idea. Or, yeah. Hey, that, you know, that's great. Or whatever, 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 you know, but I have to remember that's not the way things work. And I think people in general tend to fall into that. We forget 
that it's not about us. Never was, never will be. It's about glorifying our Father in heaven. That's what it's all about. That's the whole thing. Accepting Jesus who has covered us in his blood for our sins. Glorifying our Father in heaven. Doing what we are commanded to do in the scriptures. That's a walk with Jesus. That's a walk with God. And it's not wrong in any direction you look if you're doing those things. The conviction is there to keep us on the path walking that walk. Yep. Yes, exactly. We're, we're, we're all part of a bigger picture. And when, when we allow him to draw us to that place where we can trust in that, he has big things for us that he True. wants to do for us. You know, not for us individually to advance our name, but he wants to use each of us individually together in that tapestry to build his kingdom, to build a picture of his kingdom for the world to see. If we surrender to it, and it all comes back to trust. I, I'll share a little story and then we'll close out this top half unless anybody else has anything else they want to share real quick. Okay. I remember, you know, I could tell a lot of stories about how, you know, conviction experiences that I've had, a lot of stories, but there's one that stands out to me in particular. And I volunteered a place that we, for those of you listening, that we call the community kitchen is sort of like a soup kitchen. And we were volunteering one Saturday, which is the Sabbath. I, 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 I observe the Sabbath. So, so I don't, I don't, I don't work for my own gain on the Sabbath, like, like we're commanded. And I don't, I don't engage in commerce, right? Unless I have to, right? It's important for the story. So I can't remember what we were serving that day. Our whole family was there. And uh, so Steph, my, my wife was there and my littlest, Faith, was there serving with us. And within the, with the two hour service and within the first hour, we had like four total pans and we were, we were down to like a pan and a half. And I'm like, we're going to run out. Like I'm in a panic attack. You know what I mean? Like we've, we've only gone through one hour and we've already gone through over half of what we have. There's no way we're going to have enough. Right. And I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do. I'm talking to the, to the one that was the acting director at the time. Like, I don't know what we're going to put together. You know, we don't have anything here to make. And he's like, well, I'll give you some money, go to the store and grab this stuff. Wasn't even thinking about it being the Sabbath, but I'm, you know, it's a, a sheep in the well scenario. So I'm like, you know, it's a necessary thing. Yep. But something in me was telling me no. And when I, when I told Steph from across the kitchen, she even mouthed at me, just trust him, trust him. And I ignored her, completely blew it off. So I take my littlest to the store. We, we have the stuff in the basket that we're going to buy and I'm in line. And I got convicted hard to just put the basket down that you can just trust me. You don't have to do this. This isn't necessary. Sheep's not in the well. You don't have to do this. And I ignored it. I shut it down and I ignored it. And I ignored it because I didn't want to be, there were two reasons. I didn't want to be embarrassed in front of the other people that were in the store and put the basket down and put all the stuff back. And I didn't want to go back to the director and give him his money back and, and have to explain to him that it was a spiritual thing, which is why I didn't want to, that I, I didn't want to buy it. So I, you heeded the conviction. No, I did not keep the conviction. That's what I'm saying. I oh. ignored the conviction because I didn't want to be bold in my faith uh-huh. that day. I made excuses for it, but I didn't want to be bold in my faith that, that day and explain to somebody who's not a believer that I couldn't, I couldn't buy food because the Spirit told me to just trust Him. And I should have. And I got back, and I, I, was, I was really, that guilt, Sonny, that guilt hit me. And I talked to Steph about it and she goes, you know, I think your heart was in the right place, in the right place for why you bought it. But she was like, I think what God's going to do today is teach you a lesson on trust. Okay. Went outside, I prayed through it and came back in. Long story short, the end of the service, we had exactly, and I mean exactly to the scoop, the right amount of food for everybody that walked in that day. 
All I had to do was trust him. Well, my littlest, Faith, she was four at the time. She drugged me out to the front. She, she grabbed my, my, my little finger and she started dragging me to the front door. She's never done this before. And she drags me outside to the front where it's just us. And she pulls me down to her level and she goes, she, she fronts me up, gets super serious all of a sudden. And she goes, you can't keep doing things this, things this way. You can't keep trying to do it on your own. Faith? Four-year-old, Faith. <laughs> Talk about the namesake. Wow. I got hit. I got hit with a, with a huge wave of emotion, right? Almost broke down crying. I think I did cry a little bit, to be honest with you. And I said, you're right. I've got to trust, don't I? And she looked at me so serious, like she just pierced me, pierced to the heart. Like it says in our text here, she goes, yeah, you do. And turned around and walked back in the kitchen. And that was it. Childlike, childlike faith. We've got to get to a place where we just trust him. Even when it doesn't make sense. Yep. Easier said than done sometimes. It is. It's simple, but it's not always easy. Right. But it's where he wants us to be. So that's going to close us out on the A side of the record. And when we come back, we're going to continue in our, uh, forgot the name of foundation series. Good there you grief. go. Can you remember the name? Can you remember the name <laughs> of the episode that we're on? But before we do that, I want to take a short break. And while we do that, we're going to play a song called outlaw by Marty Ray project and be sure and listen to this song, listen to the lyrics all the way through. Cause it starts off really cool. It sounds kind of secular at first, but then when you get to the end, it gets super powerful, super quick. There's nothing secular about it. So be sure and listen to it again. That's outlaw by Marty Ray project and be sure and stick around and we'll catch you on the B side. When I was 10, no, I didn't see the wrong kind of wish that I was seeing. I grew up, thought I was living in my head, figured the life that I was living, I'd be better off dead. I watched the winners, took everything my daddy had. He worked his life away for a needle and some bread. Got tired of losing. And getting beat up by the man Started seeing life different Living by my own plan Now I'm loose From the news Now I'm free I've been set free Cause ain't nobody gonna take from me now Long put my picture up on every courthouse Wall I'm living in the clouds Yeah I'm walking tall Ain't nobody gonna stop me I'm a now Nobody gonna take from me now Law riding high horse and I'll never fall I'm hunting down the dealers till I get them all And they never gonna stop me, I'm a now law I pray that God understands when I get home Didn't do it for myself but the people that they owe They took the poor and broken hearted by the hand Said they'd lead them to a place And they called it promised land After bleeding Every single drop of red I looked them in the eyes Seen the devil in the head And they was trembling I drew the steel out from my band And knew that I was judging jury And that life was in my hand Lose From the news now they're free 
They've been set free Cause ain't nobody gonna take from it now Law, put my picture up on every courthouse wall I'm living in the clouds, yeah, I'm walking tall Ain't nobody gonna stop me, I'm a now Law, ain't nobody gonna take from me now Law, I'm riding high horse and I never fall I'm hunting down the dealers till I get them Oh, ain't nobody gonna stop me, I'm an outlaw I'm living in the clouds and I ain't gonna fall. Somebody done saved this outlaw. And we are back again. That was Outlaw by Marty Ray Project. For more from that artist, be sure to check him out. His links are in the episode description. And with that in the rear view, it's time to drop the needle on the B side of the record. As we've already said, we're digging into part three in a study series we're calling Foundations. Does anybody want to briefly summarize what we learned in parts one and two? Did you learn anything? Oh, yeah. Did you? Align yourself to the cornerstone, the cornerstone being Jesus. Your foundation must be built of good things, not straw or sand, but the good things. Yes. And that's the word. That was a really good yes. summary. You said summary. I mean, I could go into dictation if you'd like. No, no, I'm just, that was yeah. really good. That was perfect. Exactly what I was looking I'll for. I'll be here all week, Carl. Call on me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, building our biblical foundation, you know, uh, aligning ourselves to Jesus, building upon his teachings, applying his teachings. That's what we're talking about with that analogy, and that's what Paul is talking about as well when he gives a similar analogy. So what does that look like in practice? And for today's episode, I want to focus on the Spirit's role in building that foundation. Before I do that, I want to finish this reference that we started off top half of the episode with. When the people say to Peter, what shall we do? And in verse 38 of Acts chapter 2, Peter says this, Repent. I'm just going to pause just for a second. That word is metanueho in Greek. And it does mean a 180 turnaround. It's usually how that's, that's explained, and that's true. But it's really, it's, it's a change of mind leading to a change of heart that results in a change of action. Yes. It's really what that word is, is really driving at it in undercurrent. The, the undercurrent of, of that word, that's what it means. And I think it's important to understand that, especially especially when we're looking at the role of the Spirit in building our foundation, because we have the power to change our mind. What we don't have the power to do is change our heart. We can't do that. And until our heart is changed, we can't change our course. I've, I've lived that life, trying to do it on your, on your own, changing mm-hmm. your mind and skipping the change of heart and trying to change your actions, and it just doesn't work. So the Spirit has to come in to do heart surgery on you. Yes, and that's really what Peter's saying here. Change your mind, and then it'll lead to a change of heart because of what he says next. So repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's a reason that he links that directly in there. Once you, once you enter into this covenant in the name of Jesus, 
to have your sins washed, to be cleansed, to be purified, the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to do his work. And that's when that repentance becomes fully actualized, right. when the change of heart comes in. Yeah, because we can be convicted on lots of things without any action. Mm-hmm. I think of, not to be kind of morbid for the animal lovers, but those 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 animal commercials that, you know, show the, the sick dogs and the, and the hurt and the maimed and the, you know, well, their goal is to stir you, but not just to stir you, but to stir you to action. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us will look at that that commercial and go, yeah, it stirs me. You know, I feel sorry for those animals, but we don't do anything with it. Right. No. The goal of the commercial is to have you pick up the phone and make a donation to their organization. Mm-hmm. And and I think sometimes with, with the spiritual role in that, what you're talking about is the action oriented part where we're not just convicted is like, yeah, I need to do better. And then I go out and do go my separate ways and do nothing with that. It's that action oriented. I need to do something different. And with the spirit's help and the spirit's guiding, I will do something different. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Cause we can be convicted and we can be, you know, hurt and the shame that we talked about in the first part of the episode and then do nothing with it. And it's like, let kind of push it aside and let it phase out without putting any action to it. Exactly right. Yeah, the biggest thing was, was I was always numbing it. You know, I numbed it. I didn't want to feel that. So I went to alcohol and I'd drink it away. Next day I'd wake up, end up feeling the same thing. Do it again. Do it again. You know, insanity. Yeah. Doing the same thing over and over and over and looking for a different result. Well, now I'm coming up on six months sober. And, uh, Yay. congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, the, <clears throat> in six months, a lot of feelings, a lot of, a lot of different emotions have come to surface and having to try to figure out how to deal with them, trying to figure out how to go about them. And, you know, just being able to live everyday life without running into a, um, a liquid that just basically makes more problems than it solves. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think, and now it's, I, I sit in it and I understand it. (coughs) I try to figure out why, why do I feel that way? Why do I understand? Why do I feel these things the way that I do? And, um, you know, I, even without doing it, I kind of give it to God. You know, I, I try, I acknowledge him in everything I try to, even though I might not be doing all my readings like I'm supposed to, I, you know, like there's, there's still, he's still in my life. He's still a part of it. And even though maybe he's not way up here where he should be but and i'm doing the hand motion (laughs) for all of you that can't see it (laughs) but um you know it's i always feel guilty whenever it it comes down to you know i'm not in it like i should be i'm not doing the things that i should be which i mean i'm I'm still new (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know i'm still even though I've I've had so many years of trying to 
you know, him beating me over the head of trying to get me to walk the right way. You know, I'm still new at this. I'm still new at, you know, actually facing my issues, facing my demons, facing everything that he's been trying to show me over the years. But it's a growth process. Yeah. It's a growth process for all of you. It's what you're experiencing is the growth. And that's what I mean by changing your mind. It's, it's an acknowledgement is what it essentially is. It's, it's, it's acknowledging that what he's convicting you of, you are guilty. It's acknowledging that yes, I am guilty. This has separated me from you. And as it says in Ezekiel chapter four, I think my sin hurts you. Mm. It's acknowledging that. And it's pairing that acknowledgement with a willingness to do better. Right. It's a, it's a willingness to walk with him and not grieve him. Like you referenced that in the top half on, on the A side, Micah, about, about not grieving Mm. the spirit. It's an, it's, it's a willingness to walk with him Yes, and the process of him doing that heart surgery and we can't change our heart, but we're willing to engage in the process and the growth process. Mm. And then he starts doing that work and that naturally pours out to increasing degrees, right? As the fruit ripens. And the biggest thing is, is letting him do it in his time, not our own. Exactly. You know, I've, I've wanted to grow so much more, but yet there's things that I need to let go of. There's things that need to go out of my life before he can do other things. Mm -hmm. It's it's back to that analogy that Carl uses that I remember that stays with me. You're a fruit tree. And like Carl said many times in the first year that you plant a fruit tree, there's no fruit and if in the second year it's not very good fruit so he's planted you mm-hmm. you're a fruit tree it's going to take some time to produce good fruit and I have to remember that too Sonny and I think a lot of people have to remember that we want when you're on fire it's like you want to get out there and you know spread the word be bold in your faith and get things done for his glory and you have to, well, am I ready to get things done for his glory in the way that he wants them done? Well, in my case, probably not. I can't speak to Sonny's or anyone else's, but in my case, no. There's some things I need to learn. He needs to refine me through the fire. But he's put the right aspects of things that need to be in my life around me to do that. Mm-hmm. And with time, I will get there as everyone else will get there it's like that journey we talk about which mile marker are you at well Sonny might be at one or two Carl might be at 12 or 14 Mike I'm at 20 shoot I could still be at the rest area I don't know you know what I'm saying (laughs) (laughs) just the way you have to look at it and I have to keep that in my forefront of my mind so I don't know where I'm going with this I'm ranting I guess I don't know (laughs) well we talk about the role of the spirit here and how he does grow us. Uh, it's so cool because I was getting ready to bring up that analogy with the free. See, I told you he uses that. it all the time. Yeah, actually, yeah, I was just getting ready to breathe that out. So nice. cool. Stole his thunder. Sorry. No, you didn't. You didn't steal my thunder. You just reg- you just you just showed me that the spirit's moving in this conversation. That's you just aimed to awesome that. To, yeah, it's awesome to acknowledge that when that happens. But there's several places we can go to see what you know how how this working of the spirit is described because it's it's really important. A to point to scripture. What does scripture say about it? And be very specific about it too, because, you know, analogies are good, but we can't leave it with analogies because that can be applied in a lot of different ways. And some of those ways aren't biblical. Right. So what you mentioned there, Mike, about, you know, doing it his way, it's very important. We can't just build. We also have to build his way according to his blueprint. Yep. Right. And several places we can go for this. Uh, 
you know, typically we tend to go to Galatians chapter five. And I think that's a great place to, that's a great place to go. We already had a conversation on that this week, actually on the round table here on the podcast on our uh, fruits of the spirit revisited discussion. So I encourage you to listen to that. If you haven't, it's, it was really good. It was really awesome. But, uh, he, Paul's describing one aspect of, of the spirit's work in behavioral traits. So you see the fruit of the spirit there and it's really behavioral traits, love, joy, peace, right? But there are other areas, there are other prophets, like we're going to look at today, we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 36. And and though he sees the same behavioral traits, he sees more in the practical application, right? And and, in the things that you actually do. So it goes a little bit beyond general behavioral traits, which are important. I'm not diminishing what Paul says. Very important to understand that too, because those general behavioral traits, uh, they guide your heart and why you're doing the things. But Ezekiel sees the things that the Spirit guides you to actually do. Mm-hmm. And those things that you do have to be guided by the behavioral traits that Paul sees. Right. Otherwise, you're doing them for the wrong reasons. Yep. Like we had talked about earlier about those who think that, that those who kill you will think they're rendering God a service. Right. Mm-hmm. They're applying <laughs> actions, but with terrible behavioral traits guiding those actions because yep. there was no heart surgery done. Yep. Right? right. So they have to pair together. Yep. Exactly. So we're going to read in Ezekiel chapter 36, starting in verse 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, I'm going to pause right there, because that's the first hang up that you'll see very frequently is, and I actually saw this recently, that anytime it says to the house of Israel, ignore that because it's not talking to you. Yeah. And that's a gross misunderstanding of what Israel actually is. Now, the Bible, the Bible can be talking about two things when it mentions, or three things, really, when it mentions Israel. It can be talking about the person, Jacob, who was renamed Israel. It can be talking about the physical nation that existed in the past. And it can be talking about the spiritual nation that God always intended to build and is very prophetic and, and a future nation that Jesus himself will rule over as king. And that doesn't actually talk about land. That's a spiritual it is. It yes. It is. There is a. It, it 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 will be land in the sense that he'll be ruling over the over the you know in the thousand year reign he'll be reigning here right. over a physical nation and in the the new earth he'll be reigning over the entire new earth as as that physical nation. But yes, in a spiritual sense, when it talks about Israel in that context, he's talking about his nation people group, yeah. those who are in covenant. Right. And that's what Ezekiel sees here. And I just want to I I want to go somewhere just to prove that point. It's Ezekiel chapter forty seven. Because I think the argument is that if you're a Gentile believer, or if you're in the if you're in the church, you're not Israel. You're completely distinct. You're separate from Israel. And I'd actually like to do a whole episode on that at that some would be point. A good episode. I think it would be too, because there's a lot of there's a lot of verses that I can point you to, a lot of references I can point you to that prove that that's just not true. That 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 there's he he's not his goal isn't to have two distinct peoples with two sets of rules applying to each. His goal is to have <laughs> one group of people, one stick made new. But I just want to go to Ezekiel chapter 47 real quick. And he's, this is right after he gives the prophecy of the river of life. So this is a future prophetic context, right? When the, the, the river of life flows from Jerusalem and brings healing to the nations, there's a spiritual application to this. And also I believe, I believe it's a physical river. I believe that, I believe that in the, the future kingdom when Jesus reigns, this actually physically happens. But there's also spiritual applications to this as well. We're not going to dig into that. I just want to mention that because this is future context, which means it's in the context of the new covenant ruled over by Jesus, our King. 
And that's important for what he says next when he talks about the division of the land of Israel. Let me find my place here. No bookmark. Just saying. No, I've got a bu- bookmarked. I don't have oh, it okay. highlighted. Oh, okay. No, right. highlighter. So if you're going to insult me, insult me. No, no, no. So I was merely bringing up the reference to Micah never having a bookmark that you used last time when he's up there in the pul- pulpit. That's all. So I'm just going to read this out for a second. It says in it's Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 13. It says, Thus says the Lord God, This shall be the boundary by which you shall divide the land for an inheritance among the twelve tribes of Israel. So the physical tribes he's talking about. So the 12 sons of Jacob became patriarchs of 12 individual tribes that all comprised the nation state of Israel. And that has a future context, by the way, because the gates of the new Jerusalem are named after these 12 tribes. And those are the only gates into the new Jerusalem. There's no gate for just the church. There's, there are gates for the 12 tribes. Joseph shall have two portions. You shall divide it for an inheritance, each one equally with one another, for I swore. So I'm going to skip all this, because this just gives, the important part there was to, to see that it's divided among the 12 tribes. Okay, verse 21. So you shall divide this land among yourselves according to the tribes of Israel. You shall divide it by lot for an inheritance among yourselves and among the aliens, or the Gentiles, who stay in your midst, who bring forth sons in your midst. And they shall be to you as the native born among the sons of Israel. That's the important part. They shall be allotted an inheritance with you among the tribes of Israel. Again, a future prophetic context. And he's saying that the, that the Gentiles that he desires to bring into covenant with him essentially become like native born Israelites, as if they were born directly to the native born children of Israel. That's, that's prophecy. I didn't write it. This, it, you know... I know this disagrees with a lot of theology, but this is what God says. This is what the Most High says. We are essentially, when we come into covenant in the name of Jesus Christ, we become Israel. Spiritually speaking, prophetic spiritually speaking, we become Israel. This hasn't been fully actualized yet. That won't happen until we're reborn in the kingdom, right? Or resurrected in the kingdom, I mean. But this is the goal. (coughs) So when he says, the reason I mention all that, because when he says in chapter 36, verse 22, to the house of Israel, in a future prophetic context for the new covenant, he's talking to all of you as believers. He's not just talking to what we would call the Jews. He's talking to anybody who desires to be in covenant with him. And that's important for what comes next. Okay, back to verse 22 in chapter 36. I know I'm jumping around a little bit. I apologize. (laughs) Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 22. Thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act. I, also, I want you, <laughs> as I read this, as, you know, stop me anytime you guys want to discuss something. But for those of you listening, as we read this, when I'm reading the actual biblical text, I want you to keep a, a count of how often he says, I am or I will. I will. I will do this. Just to keep the focus on who's actually doing the work here because it ain't you. And it ain't me. It's him. Absolutely. I'm about to act, but for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. <laughs> nations is another important name. That's we saw that as aliens earlier when I read from verse or from chapter forty seven. That's Goyim in Hebrew, and it's how we would translate Gentiles. My, so he's mine, saying mine says it a little bit different. Um twenty two oh okay. I am bringing you back, but not because you deserve it. 
Well, he did it yeah. to protect his holy name and to show the world that he is the one only God, that that only he could do this because if he didn't, they would believe their God was stronger than he is, and that's not the case. That's why he did what he did, bringing the remnant back from Babylon, you know, from wherever they were, back to the land that he promised to Jacob. And that's an important distinction right there. He did it for the whole world. So like Carl said, when you see the name, the you know, the house of Israel or whatever, however they refer to it, when you see that, that includes you, mm-hmm. Gentiles. Yeah. And I do want to clarify also that he, he promised it to Abraham. You know, Jacob. Oh, Jacob I said Jacob. I'm sorry. Yeah. You said Jacob earlier. I apologize. No, it's okay. Jacob inherited the promise as do we, but the promise was given to Abraham. To Abraham. That's very important. Yeah. You know, that's another thing that, that you know, study that out. The promise that's a, that's a big one I messed up on. Sorry about that. No, it's no. I just wanted to clarify who the promise was given to. Verse 23. I just, like I say, I wanted to mention that with nations because every time you see the word nations here, in my translation, he's saying Gentiles. And that's important for the understanding of what he's what he's prophesying to us here. Verse 23, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord or Yahweh, declares the Lord God when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. Why do you think he's upset that they profaned him? He specifies, you profane me among the nations. Why do you think that upsets him so much? Because they, the, 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 the pagan gods that the other people were believing in, they, have a, they could believe that their pagan gods were stronger than he was. And if he is their chosen people, how could they have fallen in disarray? How strong could he be if they're in this disarray of, of being scattered killed their cities were destroyed where's your god now we came in with our god and we won that's why he's upset i think go ahead i think it's holiness you know holiness means set apart a distinction yep and when we when the nation of israel the nations look like every other nation that was the whole crux of the whole thing you know we want a king you don't need a king because i am your king i am your god i set you apart you are distinct but then when we become like every other nations where we're profaning and worshiping idols and the standard is holiness and i think we talked about judgment a little bit kind of in the during the break not not recording but during during our break mm-hmm. and i think probably the reason why we judge so much is because we're trying to build ourselves up we judge other people to build us up Justify yeah, just justify our own actions. And the standard is holiness. The standard isn't somebody else's actions. The standard is holiness. And so he's going to vindicate my holiness. I'm going to I'm going to bring you back to that place where you are set apart for me, for my purpose. Again, not for our own, not for our own benefit, as Carl said. And you'll see as we go through these verses, for my namesake, for my namesake, I am the Lord. I am your God. I didn't mean to steal your thunder, but don't know. I, I am your God. I am your, I am, I am, I am holy. You know, it's, it's his thunder. holiness that the, that's the standard. What do you say, Sonny? I said it's his thunder. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, stop saying stealing my thunder. It's not about me. Right? I think it also highlights his heart's desire. His heart's desire is for the redemption of all peoples. Yeah. 
And that's why it's so important to understand who we are, to get past this identity crisis that we have within the churches, that we've separated ourselves from Israel because that was never the goal. The goal was for him to always save and redeem all peoples. And I think that's part of why he's upset here that they've they've profaned his name among the nations because they've, by their example, they've taught a false version of him to the nations. So it makes it more difficult for them to come into covenant with him. And that's what he ultimately wants. He wants them to come into covenant with him. And I don't know if you've read this yet because our translations are different, but this one says, and when I reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes. That's powerful. Right. And it's obvious what he's saying there. He's going to use, he's talking about this. This is prophetic. We'll see that this is prophetic future context, but he's saying that he's going to, like we talked about that tapestry. He's going to weave a tapestry with them to paint a picture for those outside of covenant so that they can see that he is the most high and they'll desire that. Because that's the whole goal of him revealing himself as Yahweh, as the, as the almighty to the nations, so they'll abandon their idols and seek him. Because yep. he's not, he doesn't hate them. He loves them. Yeah. And his desire is that they would run to him instead of running to the things of Satan. Yeah. That's essentially what the nations are doing on the outside and what honestly Israel did for so long yeah. is they ran to the things of the enemy rather than the things of God. And he's saying that I want all peoples to come to me. I want them to have freedom. I want to set these captives free. And you've, he's telling Israel in the past, you've been a hindrance to that process. You've been a stumbling block. But he's saying, and he's saying this lovingly, right? He's, he's explaining to them what the, what the fault was but he's going to go on to explain how he's going to remove the fault. He's going to remove the stumbling block and he's going to purify them so that they can fulfill their purpose. So we can fulfill our purpose in being the thread in that tapestry that he's weaving. Verse 24, for I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands and bring you into your own land. So this is after, obviously Ezekiel lived after the captivity. So they had been taken captive by foreign nations. And he's saying in the future, I'm going to bring you back. And this also highlights the extreme future context of this, because this hasn't fully happened yet. The modern state of Israel is not a full fulfillment of this prophecy. It's not even close. That's Judah and Benjamin at most. You're not seeing a full fulfillment of it, because he's talking all 12 tribes, not just a couple with a, with a tiny fraction of a remnant of the other 10. He's talking in the future, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring. Full circle. Yes. He's, he said in the future, I'm going to bring all of my people into the nation state that I promised Abraham and, and the David's going to reign over all of them. And when he talks about David, the branch, the, the son of David, the, the Lord over David, who's also his son, which means that he's not really his son, right. you know, confusing. That's Jesus. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the son of God. And the, the land mass that was promised to Abraham is massive. I don't know if you guys have ever looked at that on a map. I have. That has never happened. In history, Not yet. that the promise that was given to Abraham as far as what landmass will actually will will actually come into fruition in that region has never occurred. That prophecy has never been fulfilled. That that promise has never been fulfilled, and I don't believe it will be fulfilled until Jesus comes back. So that's important to understand that the modern state of Israel is a tiny little sliver of what was actually promised to Abraham and what Ezekiel is seeing here, what Yahweh's showing Ezekiel here of what this fulfillment, he's saying, he's saying I'm going to still do this, right? I'm going, I'm going to fulfill this promise and you're going to be the beneficiaries of it, but I'm not doing it for your name. I'm doing it for my name, right? I made this promise for my name. 
verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. He does it. He does the sanctifying work. We have to agree with willingness, the change of mind. That is true, but he does the work. And that's why I'm very cautious when I hear someone say, I need to work on this more. Because yes, you need to... You need to work alongside him. You need to walk alongside him. You need to agree with the process. But he does the work. We're never going to... We have to be a willing participant. A willing participant. That's a good way to put it. We can't create the fruit on ourselves. We can't work to produce our own fruit. He has to work in us to do that. We have to be willing to let it go. To let it go. Let Surrender. Go. I mean, it's kind of cliche, let go and let God. Mm-hmm. And, but that's, I mean, that's what it is completely. Let go of your control, of yourself, of your mind, your heart, whatever you think that you have, you don't. God does. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why he talks about idols. He's not just, he is talking about actual idols worship, you know, demonic entities worshiped his idols, but it, I think it's bigger than that. Yeah, I agree. Tim Keller, I think it was, once said, and I'm very vaguely paraphrasing what he said, but he essentially stated that an idol is anything that we focus on or love more than God. Yep. Mm-hmm. Whenever we have something that we spend more time <laughs> with or have more love for or need more than God, think we need more than God, that's become an idol. Yes. Even if it's not inherently sinful it becomes sin for us because it's replaced him Mm -hmm. i forget the chapter but you see this you see this with the uh the brass serpent i think you see a very physical picture of this with the brass serpent how something that's not sinful can become sinful based upon our misuse of it so the brass serpent was not to get too far off into the weeds but the brass serpent when the people in israel under moses in moses day under moses direction had complained again and had strayed serpents came into the into the camp were biting biting people it was the 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 conviction that was the, the the punishment for what they had done right the chastisement and Moses was told to make a a staff with a brass serpent on it and whoever looked upon the brass serpent would be healed if they were bitten so if they trusted in what the most high was telling Moses to do when they obeyed and they looked upon the the staff of the brass serpent they'd be healed as a picture of Jesus is what this is but centuries later they kept this brass serpent and centuries later the people had deified it and instead of using the object as a reminder of what the most high had done for them they turned it into an idol and they were worshiping it physically. And King Hezekiah recognized how evil this was and he took that and he ground it to powder. He crushed it, destroyed it. Uh, he didn't let nostalgia cause him to hold on to it because it was being misused and it had become an idol. Even though it wasn't inherently bad, the object itself wasn't bad. It was actually good. It was something that God had brought to them and given to them as something good to heal them, but they misused it and it became an object of sin for them, so they had to let it go. They had to let it go because they were misusing it. And I think when we have something like that in our life, we have to we have to get to a place where we allow the Spirit to tell us and to convict us, this has become a hindrance to you. This has become a hindrance to your walk and your relationship with the Father, and it might be time to just let it go. Don't try to rebalance. Just let it go. Because if, if it's become a hindrance now, it could, it could become a hindrance in the future. 
Sometimes we need to just let things go for good because we love him more. Mm. Off my soapbox. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> I'll share. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Verse 26. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. It's that heart surgery we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Mine says it a little bit different. How does yours say? It says, uh, I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, <laughs> responsive heart. That's a very good way to render that, to explain what he's talking about there. Because that's exactly what that 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 analogy of a stone heart a stony heart compared to a fleshly heart mm-hmm. is it's mm-hmm. it's that we're willing to when we're convicted we're willing to respond to it right that responsive is mm-hmm. i mean tender yeah okay I, but responsive mm-hmm. yeah that's an important word i think yeah. and this is clearly prophesying pouring out of the spirit upon those who believe we have we have a picture of baptism here. We have a picture of him pouring out his spirit. We have a picture of him doing heart surgery on us and cleaning the inside of the cup, and he does all the work. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was just thinking about, you know, when you read this, it's easy to think they're talking about baptism because he's going to sprinkle, a term used for ceremonial cleaning. He's going to sprinkle. And what is baptism? An outward to wash away the old and an outward showing of the new. I don't know why I'm going there, but. So a question about baptism. Okay. Uh, Wrong episode, Sonny. Go ahead. (laughs) Just since it's came up a couple of times and I've thought about asking and I just want to ask anyways. Okay. So um, throughout my life, I think I've been baptized twice. Is there anything wrong with doing it a third time? No. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with it. it I mean, I it, just it, like, okay. So me, myself, I don't know. Like I've thought about getting baptized again, like a rededication, you know, since this time it's, it's different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I've thought about it. and I didn't know. Like, I don't know. I don't think there's, there's nothing that tells us that it's a once and done and we, we can't ever do it again. There's nothing wrong. I've done a rededication before and that's a great word for it because that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And cause I mean, it just in my thought, it was like, you know, because before I, I'm not where I'm at now. And I know like I'm the first baptism that I had, you know, I mean, it meant something, but like, I don't know. It's just different. Do you have an answer to that? I mean, I think it's important to understand what baptism is. Right. And so, yes, it is a, I'm changing direction. It's that repentant, it's that act of obedience to the father for you know, what he's done for me. And right. so the quick answer is no, there's nothing wrong with doing it multiple times. But I think it's important to understand that it's not a washing of our sins. It's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a sense of, you know, this puts me on the right track. Right. Because through the walk of the Spirit, we have to, you know, through His power, through His working in us, He has to do that through us. And so it's not us doing, it's okay, I'm going to do this action and everything's going to be okay. Right. The action is going to happen. Because when we do that and we take that step of obedience, the enemy is going to attack that and try to pull us down. Right. And so 
I think it's important to understand that that new life that we have in Christ. You know, it's kind of like the analogy sometimes that I use when my car needs gas, I don't go and buy a whole new fuel tank. <laughs> right. I fill the tank that's already there. Right. And and that's that's what the spirit is doing. He's filling something that's already there. Right. Right. He's fueling us to walk in him. Right. We don't have to get re re you know, we don't have to start our relationship all over again. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. My son will always be my son no matter what he does. Right. Now, if he goes and he commits all kinds of crimes and he can do all, I mean, he goes, he's just completely, I, I will, you know, that'll hurt, mm-hmm. but it won't change the fact that he's my son. And it kind of makes sense. Okay. And so yeah. it's important. So, so, so the quick answer is no, there's nothing wrong with doing it multiple times, but I think it's important to understand that it represents the new life that we have in Christ. And that he is continually molding and maturing. And so every time I mess up, I don't have to get baptized. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. So I think sometimes we think that, well, I messed up, you know, I've, I've fallen away from him. So now I've got to, I've got to start, right. I've got to start over from square one. Right. And so I, I don't know if that answered that question or not, but um, kind of clear so, as mud type thing. But So you're saying no. Yeah. I mean, they don't need to. I'm saying it depends on, on, on the, you know, where your heart is, where we're right. talking about is where our heart is. Right. You know, because some people do it because it's routine and because somebody told them they had to, but their heart wasn't in that. Well, does that make just, sense? They were just doing it as an, as an action, as a spiritual action. And so, so I think when, when we, when we say, okay, I've fallen away, I've, you know, I've lived this lifestyle. Now God has completely changed it around. And now I want to represent as an outward expression of an inward change that God has made, then yes, I'm going to display that as an act of obedience to him in relation to my new life that I have in Christ. That kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. So. It's almost like a thank you. Like, yeah. like if you get re like rededicated, right. I've done that. It's almost like a, like an acknowledgement of, cause it, it's it's not for me. It wasn't about, at least I hope it wasn't about thinking that if I did this, then things are going to get better and, and it's going to fix some things. But it was about, I'm recognizing what you're doing with me right now. Yeah. And that I, I did stray and you've pulled me out of a pit and I want to, I want to take this step to show a, a rededication of mm-hmm. my life to show that I'm going to walk in a different direction than I did or I'm willing to walk in a different direction. I think that's good. Yeah. yeah we see this, you know, baptism, It's it, it comes from, the Hebrew word mikveh, it really means immersion. And it was something that it wasn't foreign to them. You know, John the ba- John the Baptist was doing this, you know, because it was it was a common thing. It wasn't an uncommon thing or something that was invented by the church. It was it was something that the the Jewish people had done back then. And it that's what it was. It was like a it was like a, a, a ritual to a, it was like a purity ritual. Uh-huh. Right? A purity rite to show that you're you, you want to be made pure in the sight of God. Um we acknowledge and I think those who are properly grounded like John was acknowledged that he does the work to purify us. It's just an outward sign that I'm willing. I have the change of mind yep. and I, I want you to come in and purify me from the inside out is what it essentially, what it essentially conveys, mm-hmm. right? They didn't do it as a once and done though. Meek vase were done routinely and it happened quite a lot. Yep. So it wasn't, it wasn't something you just did once and never did again. I don't see any evidence that, that it's something that was done frequently over and over again like some some more pious Jews might have done, right? 
Um, I haven't done a lot of research on that though, so I don't want to. I don't want to state that as like a matter of fact. What I'm trying to say is that there's nothing wrong or sinful about doing it again. Right. And like Micah said, as long as your heart's in the right place with it and you're not sort of doing like the Israelites did with the brass serpent and turning the water into an idol. Because right. I think there is a, there's a thread of that that we, we sort of idolize the, the water itself in the baptism and think that it, it has some sort of power yeah. to change our lives when it doesn't. Right? It's just water. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? It, w- without the right heart condition, without approaching it in the right way, it's just water. Right. Right. And it, it doesn't change anything. I like my wedding ring. Wedding ring is a symbol. Right, people look at the wedding ring. They know I'm married. Mm-hmm. I could take the wedding ring off. It doesn't make me not married. Right. And so it's a symbol. It's a representation. It's a symbol of my my relationship with my wife. Such so as baptism is a symbol of our relationship with Him. Could it almost be a, a praise? I think so. Absolutely, it's a testimony. I mean, that's why that's why when you see Jesus at His baptism, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm He's well favored. You know, he did that as an example. And so that's why it's important to understand the importance of baptism because if if it was a washing of sin or if it was a a um some kind of somehow some kind of a cleansing process, well Christ wouldn't have had to do that. Because mm-hmm. he's perfect. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So it's a so it's an example for us. And so that's why we say, no, there's nothing wrong with it, because it's an example. He's our example. Mm-hmm. He did it as an example for us to represent our new walk with him mm-hmm. and our new relationship with him. And if you're doing it in praise, I think that's evidence of the, of the correct heart. That's why I mentioned yes. thanks. I, like I would compare it. Like if, if you're doing like a rededication, I would almost compare that to a thank offering. Yeah. Like yeah. they had, they would bring, they, there were a lot of the offerings they brought to the temple were just thank you offerings. Yep. Thank you for all that you've done for me. Yep. Right. That's the whole purpose of, of, of what that was. And I think that's, there's some comparison points to that. Mm-hmm. Honestly. I, I like that too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So verse 27, and this one's really important. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. So he puts the spirit in. So it starts with that. I'm going to infuse my spirit within you. After he talks about this new heart, he's going to do heart surgery and infuse us with his spirit, fill us with his spirit. Like Micah talked about the filling of the gas tank. Mm-hmm. Israel was running on empty. <laughs> we were all running on empty. And he's going to yep. fill us with the Spirit. And he tells us what the purpose of the Spirit is here. To cause us to walk in his statutes and ordinances. Statutes there is coke in Hebrew. And ordinances is mishpat. And it's a reference It's, it's a reference to the overarching, what we call Torah or the law. We see these same words in Deuteronomy chapter 4 rendered statutes and judgments. So when he's, when he's describing the commandments that he gave to Israel at Sinai, he describes them as statutes and judgments, Cook and Mishpat. Mine says decrees. Decrees is a good one too. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to translate those words. Essentially, it, it means uh, instructions. Mm-hmm. Essentially, both of those words mean like, like instructions and explanations on how to obey the law. So when he gives the Ten Commandments on stone, right, that's the, you know, those are the commandments written on tablets of stone. What follows are statutes and ordinances that explain how to put those commandments into practice, how to take that foundation and build on it. And he tells us here that it's his spirit within us in a future new covenant context that causes us, causes us to walk in that, to walk in that instruction manual is what he's saying. So the spirit acts as, we're, you know, we have the foundation, we have the cornerstone is Jesus Christ. 
and he gives us the blueprint through his teachings and, you know, which were in agreement with the, with the father and the law that he had given us all of his teachings. We saw that in parts one and two, his teachings are in agreement with the law. You know, we can get into that in the future. I believe that Jesus was there when the law was given right at Sinai. So, so I, you know, this is all in agreement. The father and the son are one, they're of one accord. And he makes it clear that he didn't come to undo the law and the prophets. He didn't come to undo that. He didn't come to, to give us license to take jots and tittles out. Right. He came in agreement with it and to bring us to this place that to this prophecy that causes us to be able to obey it. So when we say it's impossible to obey the law, yeah, that's true. In our flesh, it's absolutely impossible to obey the law. But he's saying his solution is not to take the law away and give us a license to sin in Jesus. He's saying here in this prophecy, his solution is to give us his spirit, his almighty, all-powerful spirit to cause us to walk in his law. That's what he says. He wrote it. He prophesied it. He said it. That's what he says here, that the objective is, if we're willing if, we, if we're willing to change our heart. Now, will we be perfect? No, I'm saying that. We're still in our flesh here, right? We, we don't have our new body. We don't have, we're not on the new earth. We're not made perfect yet. But if we're willing to stop grieving the spirit and walk with him, he says that his instructions are possible. This is not an impossible standard with him. <laughs> now, could he have taken the law away? Yeah, could have. Just snapped his fingers and say, you know what? To solve the sin issue, I'm just going to take away the definition of sin. So you guys can do whatever you want now. But that's not what he did. I think we talked about that last week because he's holy. His nature, like you you kind of corrected me on, and, and rightfully so, his nature is holy. Yeah. He doesn't do that because he, 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 he can't. He is holy. That is his nature to be holy. His nature is not to be like Satan. It's what makes him different than him. Right. <laughs> right? His nature is never going to be to be like Satan. Right, and he's going to draw us away from everything that's that's pulling us toward Satan. That's why he wants to draw us away from that to make us holy, not to make us more like Satan. But we just say Jesus a lot more. Right, his goal is to make us separate according to his standard, the way he gives us the blueprint. That's why I mentioned that in that question. The Holy Spirit acts as our contractor. So if we're given the blueprint. Right, and if we're we're given the teachings, and Jesus acts as our cornerstone to fully align us to that, the Holy Spirit comes in and acts as the contractor to help us build the right way, give us the right materials, give us the right material list, right, yeah. and and train us up in how to build in the right way. It's His objective here, if we're willing, if we're willing to walk with Him and respond to the correction when we build with hay instead of gold. Right, put stubble in instead of a two by four. Yeah, it's important to note too that Satan is a created being. God is the creator. Satan is a created being, and so sometimes we emphasize more of what he does than we do. Well, the devil made me do it. Well, no, he's given you a spirit of, he's given you a spirit that's guiding you, and that if we're following the spirit. We're not going to fulfill our lustly desires. We're going to follow the commandments and we're going to follow the statutes and we're going to walk in the way that he tells us to walk. Well, the devil made me do it. Or I've just got a sin nature. I I think that's a common thing nowadays that kind of one of my soapboxes, which I won't get on, but they, we, we, 
somebody does something, well, we have a sin nature. Well, that's just my flesh. We kind of almost blow it off like it's no big deal. It's just my flesh. Well, he's given us a spirit. He's given us a heart that prompts us, that leads us, that John 16 passage that we looked at the first part of the hour to guide us in truth. He's going to guide us according to his nature and guide us according to who he is, according to his statutes and his commandments. He's not going to draw us to something that's different. No, I think it's a big thing. It, sin, sin will change. And that whenever you start your walk with God, God will work with you on things. Just start working on different things. And then he changes your heart to not want to do those things anymore. You know, changes your mindset to where those things aren't important. Those things aren't, you know, lovely in your mind anymore. You know, you, you become a completely different person, a different being. And whenever those changes start happening, those sins, those wants, those needs, those, those, those different worldly things become not so important. Mm-hmm. Or they become almost gross. Like yeah. you just, you don't feel like it's right. You just kind of almost shudder a little bit whenever you think about doing them. You start to recognize it for what it is. Yeah. Because you're seeing things the way he sees them. Yeah. And that's part of the purpose of being infused by the spirit is you st- he, he, he causes you to see things the way he sees things. And then whenever that happens, it, it's life-changing it is you know you you start seeing sin for what it is and then and you're like then you realize that you're doing it mm-hmm. sometimes it sucks because <laughs> 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 you realize that you're doing it you know it, that change of mind that change of heart then you just like mm, I just did that crap <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> So I'm going to skip around a little bit so we can get through this in time because there's something else I want to get to and I don't want to bloat the episode too much. But I want to go down to verse 31 and it says this, Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. <laughs> so this, the Spirit comes in and, and guilt is part of this. He, he causes you to remember this. And you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. <sighs> Mine says it completely different. How does it say, go ahead and read it, because I'm curious what it says for loathe there, because I think that's an important word. It says, then you will remember your past sins and despise yourselves. Despise. For all the detestable things you did. The Hebrew there for loathe or despise is coat, and it means to be grieved, to be greatly grieved over it. And that's that's a form of guilt. And and remember, this is in the context of after he, he infuses the spirit within. So he infuses his, he gives us a new heart, right? A new perspective because we've just, we've, we've, we've made the determination to change our mind and be willing to walk with him. So he changes our heart. He gives us a spirit. He causes us to walk in his statutes and then guilt comes. Then he brings guilt for the sin that we've committed in the past. And I think the purpose of that is to, is part of, it's connected here. If he's causing us to walk in his ways, he also has to teach us why it's important to walk in his ways. And it's, it's awesome that you brought that up before I read this, Sonny, that you start to see things differently. 
you start to see it as gross because you're starting to see the way the spirit sees. And that's what he's referenced. I think that's what's being described here is you start to see things the way he sees it. And if you're anything like me, you start to look back at the things that you did and you're like, that was detestable. Yep. How could I have done that? Yep. Right? There is a there is a measure of guilt, but I think that guilt when properly handled and not and not we don't allow the enemy to come in and amplify it yep. more than the spirit intended, right? When it's properly handled, it drives us forward to walk along with the spirit rather than grieve him. But I think a lot of times people will remain in that guilt and not move forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's 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 a problem. They let themselves get paralyzed. Exactly. Yeah. That's where my drinking came in. That's yep. you know, that's where I ended up shutting it down and oh, I ain't doing this, God. You ain't showing me that. And then go over here and drink for a few more years and oh, all right, well, I'm ready again. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the change of mind and willingness is so important. Once we yeah. get to that place where we're willing to acknowledge, yeah, this is bad. This is bad. I agree. I agree this is bad. Then it causes it it causes us to be more aligned with him so that we can start doing what I'm seeing out of you, Sonny. You're 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 walking more in step with him every day. Right? I didn't know you before, but I've heard the stories and I can see the growth from 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 when I have met you and it's incredible and it's all the spirit. It's not you. No. It's the spirit doing it because you've changed your mind and you've surrendered yourself to him. You're willing. It's not perfect. It's not perfect for any of us. And it takes time. But we have to be gracious to ourselves too when it does take time. We have to, we have to, we have to forgive ourselves at some point. That's something I struggle with. Oh, Forgiving man. myself. That's yeah. a hard one. All right. Now I think I want to skip down to verse 34. To just fully reinforce the context of this entire prophecy. And it says this, the desolate land will be cultivated instead of being a desolation in the sight of everyone who passes by. They will say the desolate land has become like the Garden of Eden and the waste, desolate, and ruined cities are fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left around about you will know that I, Yahweh, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted that which was desolate. I, Yahweh, have spoken and I will do it. And then skipping down to verse 38, it, it closes this whole prophecy by saying, then they will know that I am Yahweh. The whole purpose is to reveal himself as the Most High, as the Almighty, as the, as the Redeemer. The whole purpose is to, is to reveal himself for who he is to us, that mm. he does all the work, right? And a lot of this hasn't happened yet, right? The, uh, the, the fullness of, of Israel coming into a, a nation, being ruled over by Jesus, right? Being fully and completely perfected, having all of the ruined places rebuilt, that hasn't fully happened yet. So really the new covenant is a process. You know, just like, just like his renewing of us is a process, the full realization of the new covenant is a process too. I think we kind of mishandle. We have a, we have a false perspective of the new covenant sometimes. I think we, we believe that the new covenant happened and it's done and we're in it, but it's really, it's, it's an unveiling. Mm-hmm. We're really in the process right now. In the point of history we're in right now, we're in the, we're in the period of the unveiling of the new covenant. We're in the new covenant, but it, when you read all the prophecies about the new, new, the new covenant, we'll see that next week. It hasn't all happened yet, right? right? That's not all going to happen until Jesus is ruling from a new heaven and a new earth and the Father himself, the Almighty, is dwelling among us. And he renames the city, as he says in prophecy, Yahweh is there. Like he takes the city and renames it to Yahweh is there because he's going to be among us forever, right? Not going to be at a distance anymore. 
forever, in person, face-to-face with us forever. That hasn't happened. That's our future hope, right? That's our future hope. That's what yes. he's leading us to. And that's why he has to do this process of leading us out of darkness, the yep. darkness that, that, that we've invited into our heart. He has to cut that out. He has to do heart surgery to cut that out. And he gives us the definition of what this looks like in his law. You know, law is not a dirty word. Torah is not a dirty word. We've too often in church theology turned it into a dirty word, which is why you have what we dug into last week, guys that want us to just cut it off entirely because it disagrees with their theology too much. I'm sorry. If, if the word of the most high disagrees with your theology, you need to cut off your theology. It's not the word of the most high. He says it, right? It's not going to be perfect yet for us in our walk but we have to agree with the process or we'll find ourselves out of step with him and building on a faulty foundation. And we have to be really cautious about that. You're responsible for your own walk and you have to study this stuff out and you have to, you have to, you have to bring yourself to a place where you change your mind and you agree with him, yes. not your flesh and nobody else, him. Yep. Thing before I open it up for final thoughts, I do want to give the antithesis though. So if this is, you know, if we're walking in step with the spirit and we're allowing him to cause us to agree with him, right? Allowing him to, to, to go through the process of growing us to be more in alignment with the father's standard, what's the opposite look like? And we see that in Ezekiel chapter 22. And I want to read that just for the context and clarity of what we need to avoid and what we need to be cautious about. It's chapter 22 verses 25 and 26. And it says this, there is a conspiracy of her prophets in her midst, like a roaring lion tearing the prey. Mm. Who does that sound like? Yep. They have devoured lives. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in the midst of her. We talked about the top half, the further away you get from the father's love, the more violent you become, Mm. even though you think you're doing a service to him. These are prophets. They've deluded themselves into believing they're serving him and they're violent. Verse 26, her priests have done violence to my law, it's Torah in the Hebrew, and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the profane, and they have not taught the difference between the unclean and the clean, and they hide their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. We saw that same language in what we just read in chapter 36. 36 is the solution what we read right here in chapter 22 remember 36 comes later so he's he's defining the problem here in chapter 22 which is doing violence to his standards his expectations his instruction his law which is a prophetic way of saying that they 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 chop it up when they come to something they don't like they say that's not for me they cut it out and unfortunately that sounds kind of familiar Uh to what i see today and he says the solution is not to get rid of the law The solution is not to give them license to do what these bad prophets and priests are doing. The solution is to infuse his spirit in the willing and those who agree with him and to cause them to stop doing violence to his law over time through their willingness. That's what the solution is. This is what Ezekiel saw. And we can't just cut Ezekiel out of our Bible because we don't like what he says. Because you're not really cutting Ezekiel out, you're cutting God out. Right. Mm-hmm. This is God talking. This is the Father talking, not Ezekiel. Ezekiel was just a vessel. That's all he was. Ezekiel was no better or worse than any of us. He was just a willing vessel. And we need to be willing vessels too. 
let's pull the needle final thoughts I think we need to walk in the spirit as we've talked about it's important to do that and a pastor friend of mine used to say when we enter into a relationship with God we get the Holy Spirit he gives that to us and so when we are challenged to walk in the spirit we don't need to get more of the spirit the spirit needs to get more of us I love that Ooh. Mm. And, and so it's important to understand that as we walk in the spirit to let the spirit get a hold of us not to let the flesh, because there is that battle, but not to let the flesh take over. So we don't need to get more of the spirit. The spirit needs to get more of us. I like that, Michael. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, it really goes back. This isn't my final thought, but just to add to that, it goes back to what we talked about grieving him. Mm-hmm. You know, you see that we, we most often think of, of Ephesians 4 when we think of grieving the spirit. That's when he talks about that. I just found this yesterday, and I did not know that that same phrase is in Isaiah. And it's Isaiah chapter 63, verse 10, and it's it's sobering, but it's the truth. He says, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. They rebelled. They rebelled against him and his instructions. Yep. Therefore, he turned himself to become their enemy and fought against them. Then as people remembered the days of old. I'm going to stop there. And that's really the goal. It's what we saw in Ezekiel 36, they remembered. Yes. And it's, it's, it's not his goal to hurt us. He doesn't want to be our enemy. His goal is to get us to remember the things he's done for us so that we'll agree to walk with him, to stop rebelling and stop grieving him. So I didn't mean to steal your thunder. No, no you're so good. Get back at you a little bit. That's, awesome. That's right. <laughs> so the correction is there to get us back in covenant with him. Yes. Well, I think sometimes a lot of people view that as he's against me. Yeah. And I was one of those people at one point. Yeah. Um, it's no different than a child acting up in the store and a parent having to take correction manner, you know, behaviors to correct that child's behavior. Boy, if he is our Holy Father, Heavenly Father. He's going to correct us just like our, our earthly father and mother would. I think when you view that in that context, the correction should be welcomed because he's making you a better person yep. to walk alongside him. That might be my final thought. I like it. And I just want to say, too, you, you mentioned, you know, we tend to, we're tempted to view him as being against us. And, you know, that, that is how we, from our perspective, see it. But the truth is he's, he's against our flesh. Right. You know, like what I just read from Isaiah 63, it's really not us that he's an enemy of. It's our rebelliousness. Yes. He's, a, he's an enemy of our rebelliousness. Exactly. And the solution, his desire is to conquer our rebelliousness without destroying us. Yep. And the solution to that is what we just read in Ezekiel chapter 36. It's the only solution. The solution is to get us to change our mind and then infuse his spirit in us so he can cause us to stop rebelling. It's right back to the analogy that Micah used about her. His son will always be his son regardless of his actions or rebellion. Right. Yeah. The seal can't be broken. He seals us. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's that's irrevocable. Right. But we've got to stop rebelling against him. We really do. We've got to stop wanting the things of the world. And I've been guilty of that in the past. 
and I'm sure I'll be guilty of it again in the future. Yep. It's like that thread analogy you use, Carl, where my color might be less bright than Micah's or yours or Sonny's. Well, I want to be the bright color. You know what I mean? I see their walk or whomever's walk, and I want to be that. Well, that's not what God has planned for me. And, and sometimes that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. You know, you want to do more. You want to be out there living for him. Why isn't he giving me more? Well, because your job in life is what God has played out for you, what you're going to do, what he has chosen you to do. So a little PS to my final thought. I like it. I think the thing that I took out of this the most, I, I have to go back to it because it was pretty much, I think it was the last thing that we read. Where were we at? <laughs> was it from Isaiah 22? Was it Isaiah? Or was it Ezekiel? Uh, yeah, Ezekiel. I'm sorry, Ezekiel. I was 22. in Jeremiah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Jeremiah 22. Uh, We've covered a widespread right. of prophets. Uh, uh, well, Jeremiah 22 is... Uh, uh, never mind. I lost it. <laughs> oh, good Lord. I might give you the music. You haven't <laughs> experienced the music yet. That's, that's from uh, way back. Well, okay. So, you know... God works on us consistently, continually, all the time. Um, and it's never going to end, not until the day we pass and we meet him. Um, I just know, I, I know now that all these things that I need to work on, it's not going to be an instant thing. It's not going to be a... Um, they're not going to go away just in the snap of a finger. Um, God's going to work on me till he chooses to bring me home. And the only thing that I need to do is to continue letting him, acknowledging what is happening and ex- in, a, in exchange share my experiences share what he's doing share what's what's happening um you know i don't i don't i don't ever wish to be a a preacher because it, <laughs> it i mean i i would i'd be terrified to but mm. me i just right now moments like this you know it's just sharing what god's doing with me showing my showing my road and um truthfully i think this is this is a lot to do with it this this episode um you know it the spirit changes you completely slowly but surely and every day every moment they might not be grand they might not be even wanted I mean the some of the stuff that he shows you you're not gonna like you know the the spirit will will end up bringing you to your knees sometimes absolutely and more or less the the life that you choose to live with God 
it's going to change you completely. You're not going to be the same person. You're not going to be. And I've, I've heard that from a couple of people that I used to know. They used to know me as a completely different person. They're, they're like, dude, who are you now? <laughs> you know, I mean, I was, I was, I was a cocky, ignorant. I mean, I didn't care who you were. But, and believe me, I looked at myself like I was. King, All that in a bag of chips? Uh, I, I thought I was King Kong. I was. I thought I was indestructible, and I'm only five five. You know, and uh, now I don't look at myself like that. I don't. God's brought me down, down to where I don't. You know, I'm not who I used to be, and I'm thankful for that Amen. because I, truthfully, even back then, I didn't like myself. And now I'm starting to like myself to the point because he's changing me to who he wants me to be. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a great thought, Sonny. I was, when you were thinking that, saying that, I was thinking, you know, how things we want to change so fast. It's almost like we're using a microwave and the good Lord is using an oven mm-hmm. to heat us up. Okay. Or a smoker. We, we want, <laughs> yeah, that might be a better analogy for me. Yeah, we want instant results. Yep. Delayed gratification is no longer a part of our society. It's instant. We need to get back to delayed gratification of being worked on, not the microwave version, because that becomes watered down. I don't know why I keep talking. I already said I was done. Sorry, Carl. <laughs> well, it's and it's like his his one day is our. A thousand, a thousand years. years yeah you know what i mean so like what his one minute is 10 years <laughs> whatever you know what i mean yep. so like what he can think in a second is a lifetime to us you know what i mean yep. so what he wants could take a while yep. to mold us into yeah so it's you start thinking of it like that. You start thinking of it as a, you know, it's not a punishment. It's not a, it's a correction. And it's correcting you to the point where you can do what he needs you to do. And it's, maybe it's reaching one person. Maybe it's reaching two. Maybe you only, maybe your purpose is to reach somebody that's going to reach a whole bunch more. Yeah. You know, And the thing is, is that maybe just that one is the purpose. That's okay. God will give you your your moment in heaven or in the next life or whenever Jesus reigns for the thousand years. I mean, whatever that case may be, that's that's your moment. That's what you're supposed to be here for. And that's all it is i'm okay with it yep you know that's my final thought i love it i I really like this episode before i give my final thought i want to read this because you mentioned you 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 were in jeremiah for some reason don't know why yeah you mentioned chapter 22 and i got i'm going to read this because it's just for our theme of building on a proper foundation it's too perfect of of a picture of what he's trying to rescue us from right And it's a message to the kings, the kings that have strayed. 
Verse 13, woe to him who builds his house without righteousness and his upper rooms without justice. Who uses, and remember, righteousness and justice as he's defined it, not as we, we choose to define it. Who uses his neighbor's services without pay and does not give him his wages. Who says, I will build myself a roomy house with spacious upper rooms and cut out its windows, paneling it with cedar and painting it bright red. Do you become a king because you are competing in cedar? Did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. He pled the cause of the afflicted and needy. Then it was well. Is not that what it means to know me? declares Yahweh. But your eyes and your heart are intent only upon your own dishonest gain and on shedding innocent blood and on practicing oppression and extortion because he refused to change his mind. And I think it's important to acknowledge here, Yahweh is desperately pleading with him, even in the midst of his sin. If this king would have turned right then and there and repented, I believe he would have taken him back. With all my heart, I believe that. I think Manasseh proves that. Yeah. But we have to agree to build on a proper foundation according to his blueprint. He does not waver. He never wavers. You can read this this Bible cover to cover a thousand times, and you'll never find a case where he wavers from that. We waver from that, and we try to force him to waver from that, but he doesn't waver. Maybe that should be my final thought. I don't know. That's a good one, Carl. <laughs> but I had something else I wanted to say, too. I, I just want to say, you know, too often we have two two expressions that we like to use. We like to say that with, with God, with those who are filled with the Spirit, all things are possible. And that's true. But then we turn right around and we say, well, these commandments, these expectations that God has for us, that's an impossible standard. Those two things can't be true at the same time. If you truly believe that all things are possible for you, if you're filled with the Spirit and guided by the Spirit, you can also say that obeying Him is impossible for me. That can't be true. It's impossible if you don't have the Spirit, but nothing's impossible for Him. And we've got to get... It's almost like a double negative thing. You can't... Yeah. We've got to get past that mindset, but we also have to have the right focus on who does the work. That's why I think it was so important to acknowledge how often He says, I will, I will. I will in that passage. When we're agreeing with him, he's doing the work. The focus is off of us. It's on to him, which should give us some comfort when we stumble and when we fail because he's there to pick us up and he won't break that that seal. As much as we try to break it sometimes, he won't break Mm -hmm. it. He's there for us. Do you guys know what bonsai trees are? Oh, yeah. Very cool form of art. Yeah. There's a lot that goes in. I'm not going to go into all the details, but there's a lot that goes into making a a bonsai tree you know it, yep. it takes a lot of years of of practice right but you got to find the right tree you got to you got to bind the you got to be very patient you got to mm. bind the roots in just the right way you have to find that perfect pot you know what i mean mm. you have to fertilize it you have to have the right soil you have to do root pruning to make sure that when bad roots come that they don't inhibit the growth or cause it to grow too much so you have to prune the roots you have to prune the tree to form this shape so you have this vision Normally, you come at it with this vision of exactly what shape you want the tree to take. So you start pruning root or pruning branches off to form that shape. And then as it grows, when you have this, this shape that you want it to form into, to grow into, right, you have to, you have to bend and twist and sometimes break 
and then wire the tree into place so that it's forced, so that you cause it to grow in the direction you want it to grow. And it takes that wiring and that bending to train the tree to grow in the right way. And then when it gets strength, right, and it starts growing in that direction on its own, then you can take the wiring off. Sometimes you have to leave the wire on. There are, there are, certain, there are certain shapes that you want the tree to take that it requires the wire to remain on permanently. Other times it learns how to grow in that direction on its own and you can take it off. And then ultimately you take this tree that was just a scraggly lump, right? And you turn it into this beautiful work of art with time and effort and work on the part of the artist, on the, on the part of the tree. The tree's job is to grow. The tree's job is simply to grow in the direction that the artist forms and bends it and binds it into place to grow in that direction. I think that's a picture of what the Spirit's doing with us, what the Spirit's role is in us building on this foundation. Our job's to grow. Our job's to grow and to surrender to the pruning process, which is painful, right? To allow Him to cut out those roots of bitterness that have grown up and hinder our, hinder our growth, to allow Him to cut off the branches that are tempting us to grow in the wrong direction and become ugly, an ugly version of what His vision for us is. Our job is just to grow and let him bind us in the direction and, and twist and bend us in the direction that we're supposed to grow so that we can ultimately, ultimately become that work of art that he wants us all to be. That's his role in the process, and our role is just to surrender to it. We've got to give ourselves over to that and stop making excuses for why we want to break the wire off and grow whatever direction we want to grow. We've got to surrender to him in that process. I think that's my final thought. I like it. I think Mr. Miyagi would have liked it. Yeah, I think so. That's <laughs> yeah. where I got the idea. I was watching Karate Kid the other day. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's a good it's idea, It's funny though. because I actually, I, I was watching one of the auctions that are here in Columbia, and they had like, I think, seven bonsai trees. Mm. No, on, no kidding. On the, on the auction. I almost bid on one. <laughs> I almost did. And I was just like... I don't know nothing about them or how to take care of them. I was yeah. like, never. <laughs> well, some people would argue that's funny that came up that a true bonsai tree only comes from Okinawa, but that's a whole other subject we don't need to get into. Yeah, we'll dive into that another time. Yeah. Maybe off record. <laughs> we'll call that the end of the record. For those of you on the other side of the mic, I want to thank you so much for including us in your day. Thank you for listening, and we just we genuinely pray that this is this has been a blessing to you that it edifies you and that it only brings glory to his great name and not our own because that's what this is all about just remember him just draw closer to him and surrender and let him grow you in the direction that he wants to grow you Uh, if you have any comments questions or feedback be sure and reach out to us we can be found on Facebook on our group Broken Record Ministries you can email us at brokenrecordministries at gmail.com and we here at Digging Deeper can be found on Twitter our handle is at dd by brm that's at DD by BRM. Look forward to hearing from you. Again, this has been Digging Deeper, a publication of Broken Record Ministries. Until next time, shalom. Follow fast. See ya. See you later. I was awfully close to see ya. That's why I put the later in there. Beautiful blessing, I got the fire in me, ain't no retiring I'ma keep looking skyward while I shoot, it's the way that you hardwired me And either way, I know I'm hitting my target, a train shooter I know I'm just supposed to aim at the darkness Rare breed ASAP, Nikki Gracious, we warrior You could never stand against us if the Lord be for us, I'm ready You can tell that I'm already